welcome to episode number 61 of the Faster Than the World podcast. I'm Ryan, your beloved host, or maybe beloved to my mom and my spouse and my kid, and then probably not to many other, very many other people. I don't know. Maybe the family that owns Taqueria Tequila, because I eat there so often enough that I'm pretty sure I keep them in business. Oh, and the guy who got my membership at LA Fitness, um, because I'm pretty sure I helped him meet his quota for that day, but he was very excellent. So uh, shout out to Nick at LA Fitness in, in, in North Seattle. Uh, in any case, uh, today's episode is with uh, illustrious artist and an and all-around good dude, uh, Matthew Brennan, who creates art as uh, two things here in Seattle. I met him a few months ago at the uh, at the punk rock flea market uh, in Capitol Hill. Um, he had this shirt that was that had uh, an image of Andre the Giant, and you know whatever. Andre the Giant being on on street art in general isn't anything new. Shepard Fairey did it, but it was juxtaposed with Old Dirty Bastard, and I was like. This is rad. He has uh, a, a a great legendary pro wrestler in Andre the Giant and one of my favorite MCs of all time in ODB. So uh, I struck up a conversation with him and I had him on the podcast and he was a very delightful guest. And uh, maybe one day I'll have him back just to, just, just to shoot the shit because he was, it was, Matt was like a really easy guy to talk to. Which is great. Like, you know, um, whenever you, you talk to people who are artists, you, you, you know, um, some are very shy and, and, and you know, don't want to talk about their art or at least like not to any great length. Um, uh, and, and that's not their fault. Like, you know, that's just that's just what happens. Like everybody is, has a different personality. But Matt wasn't like that. He was he was very warm, very, you know, such a cool dude to talk to. Check out his site, twothings.com, and that's not the number two, but the word two, but as in the number. So, T-W-O-Thangs.com, T-W-O-T-H-A-N-G-S.com. So, go check out his, go check out his store um, and his site and see all the awesome artwork he has going on there. Uh, the other thing, and I, I, I feel like I've kind of alluded to this uh, the last two episodes, but now I can tell you that uh, Friend Request sent the zine, the fiction zine that I wrote uh, last year and, and did a very short run of, um, is available through Pioneers Press now. So yes, I did a second printing and you can get some copies there uh, for the very, very low price of five bucks. And you should get some of the other stuff there. We have past guests, uh, Adam Ganade and Rachel Bell. Uh, some of their work is on there. And then there's a host of other great writers, uh, Jesse Duke, uh, Julia F., Trace Ramsey. Just th there's and, and, you know, I can't even talk about all the cool stuff that they have on their distro side. So check out PioneersPress.com or my book, Friend Request Sent, and go order a bunch of other stuff you know you will not be disappointed so that that's me done plugging away um if you would like to be a guest on this podcast we have some come some stuff to promote some stuff to talk about feel feel free to hit me up uh ryan is is my name once again 
Um, but you email me at fttwsocial at gmail.com. Uh, add us on the Facebooks, um, Instagram, Twitter, at fttwsocial. Uh, on all those platforms and whatnot. So, yeah, I think... Okay, now I'm legitimately done plugging away. So here's my interview with Matt of Two Things, and I will check you guys later. So, uh, welcome back to the Faster Than the World podcast. I'm here with my special guest, Matthew of Two Things. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing great. All right, I'm going to move this slightly closer. Okay. All right, cool. I'll try uh, to speak up. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I first uh, saw I, for whatever reason, and you know, I like to think that I'm a man about town. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first time I saw your stuff was at the punk rock flea market, which was I was like totally taken aback by, um, chiefly because whenever you see um, artwork that is, that you know takes, I guess I don't want to call it mashup because I feel like that's a it seems like it's a, a little bit too cheesy, and b like it reminds me more of stuff that I would see in comic books back in the day like you would see like Jay Leno interacting with Spider-Man and and stuff like that and that's what your art reminds me more of is like you know taking two pop culture staples that would interact with each other in any way but just putting it in a way that people can visualize it yes I mean uh, my work can be as kitschy as you want because it's pretty much uh it's almost all commission work by different people. People yeah. bring their own perspective to it, which I kind of enjoy figuring that out with people. Uh, so, like, some people do want it super kitschy, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's fine. I'll go ahead and do that. I'll work with you, and I can always, as a painter, find interest in that, no matter how much I don't connect with the, t- the two things people have chosen. And there's other people, like, I just got one in that's probably just more conceptual. You know, there's been ones that people wanted to be funny based on a pun, and other ones people wanted to be... Uh, uh, inspirational or remind them of two places they've lived or you know it's just it's kind of fun because uh, I'm given limitless possibilities by limitless people coming to me and getting their paintings yeah what was your what was your introduction into art or how did you get started and, and this is totally like just a remedial question because uh, I want to go yeah. back and talk about the other stuff but um, yeah what were your what were your beginnings like well, I was always a I was always interested in drawing uh, and two D work pretty much uh, as long as I can remember. I was just not very good at it for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. uh, I started out as a kid; all I could draw were explosions, and that's all I did draw. I draw a lot of them. Uh, but then uh, I was the kid who always was drawing in high school, but uh, they're kind of terrible drawings, and everybody could <laughs> do it like, oh, that's interesting, weird, whatever you're drawing, but, uh, you know, wasn't very good. But then when I got to college, uh, I had a professor actually tell me to quit art. He told me that I wasn't going to be, this wasn't the path for me, I should go try a different major, and I just... You know, uh, instead of doing that, I doubled down and, uh, you know, went to classes I wasn't even taking, you know, just did double the amount of workload of everybody else. And by the end, I graduated uh, at the top of my class. So that was probably a turning point, but it's always been there for me. Yeah. But that's interesting that that's how your story is framed. Like, very similarly, um, I was a kid who, I mean, I grew up loving comic books. And um, I was, you know, I always drew. And I remember in, in eighth grade, I had a teacher, Mr. Tolkstorff, who was just all like, Ryan, 
you can't draw, but you're a good writer, you should stick to that. And I actually took that to heart. Yeah. And, you know, which is how I ended up being a writer and where I'm doing this kind of stuff now. Um, the funny thing is that, you know, like yourself, like I found myself like still attracted to visual arts, and now I do graphic design uh, on the side. Yeah. But it's funny, like, that stuff never leaves you. And, you know, like, I now I'm thinking as you're telling the story, like, I wonder if I, like, actually instead worked harder at, at illustrating if that could have went somewhere <laughs> I definitely think it could have I'm a firm believer most people do come to me and they're like you, know, you do that I could never you know do that but it uh, the act of drawing which is the thing or painting or you know rendering uh, I think is one of the most intimidating things to people that can't do it but once you actually just work at it you realize that part's the easy part that's just muscle memory and being able to see and visualize uh, and know how shapes and shadows work but like uh, the the rest of it's the hard part you know yeah uh, so but I think yeah I think that same professor that gave me that talk gave a bunch of people that talk and 95% of them just you know oh, oh shit my professor's telling me I'm not good I am gonna switch my majors uh, and then I was one of the few that didn't you know yeah and I feel like you know in one way when you have a story like yours you can be like, oh, that was my moment of being like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I can, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you, 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 you went against the grain and you're, and you're the success story. But at the same time, there's like a bunch of people who are like super discouraged. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's kind of productive to being a pillar in education. Like, why would you tell kids that? <laughs> it's definitely, the, it's an old school uh, sort of mentality. It's like that, uh, what was that movie from last year, the jazz, uh, Whiplash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's totally an old school mentality of, you know, if you want to be the creme de la creme, you have to, you know, it has to be something in you that nobody can tell you. Uh, stop and you do it. It has to be yeah. something that, like, is just you're you're going to do it, whatever, and we're going to separate the wheat from the chaff real early on. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's counterproductive because you're probably getting rid of a lot of talented people, too. Yeah. <laughs> I know that person could have been the, the next, you know, great painter. Yeah, yeah. right. I'm sure if uh, Andy Warhol was not playing a character, some people think, you know, and, you know, you're just really this indecisive person. If he got that talk in art school, yeah. he probably probably would have been like, oh, really? You think so? Uh, maybe you're right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you were more Woody Allen and less you know, Warholian. Yeah. Uh, where, um, so, were you, when you decided to actually um, be a working artist or, or in, in terms of, like, doing commission work and, and, and that sort of thing, like, were you still working other jobs or what was, or was there, like, a transition period where you're, you know, doing other things and you're like one day you're just like oh I'm not going to be an accountant anymore I'm going to yeah. go back to drawing or, or painting <laughs> I uh, uh, I was a paralegal for a good decade between art school and now uh, and it was pretty miserable uh, I was always had a studio and I was always painting on my own after doing the work at the job but um, I uh, about a year and a half ago probably closer closing in on two years now I am um, sure. you know uh, with some help from uh, my partner and uh, my family I was able to just start up two things as a full-time business uh, and uh, yeah it's been a roller coaster yeah. since then of uh, learning how to run a small business uh, do everything and also make the paintings uh, yeah I mean was there 
I mean, was there any part of you having been a paralegal where you had where you understand the structure of having that small business? Um, because a lot of artists don't have that. You yeah. Know? And I feel like, in a way, you know, I like I'm in a band and mm-hmm. I've lucked out because I've been in situations where like I kind of know how to manage things. Yeah. So you know, I'm the guy who who, who keeps track of the books. Yeah. So to speak. I also am that in my band too. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, I think I just uh, you know I. I, it's not that hard for me. Uh, yeah. Definitely the paralegal stuff with accounting, learning accounting and stuff like that helped uh, immensely. But uh, uh, that stuff, I've always had a pretty good business sense. My mom is uh, uh, was a dean of a business school and a professor for many years. Uh, and I don't know if it just rubbed off on me or whatever, but uh, I have pretty good understanding. So it doesn't mean it's not hard, but it came easier than I think it does a lot of artists and I also think there is some weird there's a weird thing of uh, especially if you're trying to be an artist within the fine arts community which I'm not trying to do Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm more going all my clients are just regular people not art collectors but if you're in that other area people want the artist to be the stereotype of an artist they want a guy in a beret saying aloof things wrecking a painting with an axe in front of them you know they want like this crazy hot mess and they feel like okay crazy artist maybe this is going to be worth something someday i better buy his paintings or whatever it's you know it's salesmanship but it also leads people to really buy into that if you're an artist you have to be that stereotype right i was never that guy like like instability creates great art Mm -hmm. i mean sometimes uh, people can be that chaotic. Francis Bacon was a good example, but like, yeah. I uh, I just was never that guy, and I always thought it was the whole thing was kind of silly. <laughs> yeah. When you when you when you made that that decision though, um, was that kind of scary to just be like, oh, oh yeah. am I, I'm gonna stop doing this thing I've been doing for a decade and just focus on art? Well, I mean, I you know we're in tax season right now, <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't stop being scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you look back at like how hard you worked and what you actually made, uh, but I am in the black and I'm actually making money making art, so I count myself very lucky. Uh, yeah. But it uh, it was yeah it was super frightening. I luckily I I you know when I made the plunge uh, and I will say this that uh, you know part of it was uh, my partner Brandy and her uh, outlook. You know she wasn't gonna support me or help support me uh, in a venture like this to leave the security of health insurance and right. a paycheck every week uh, if uh, you know I didn't have like an actual business plan of like how to make money in arts so I wasn't you know before I went out on my own I wasn't doing two things I was just making paintings I liked and hopefully somebody would like it too and buy it you know but two things is more uh, very cognizant of like I want to make stuff it feels really great to already have it sold before I even know it's got a home you know it's not going to just sit in the back of my studio collecting dust until somebody likes it um and uh, actually make a living making arts. Yeah. Yeah. And so the conceit of two things, um, as we, as you know, like you told me when we first met, was that, you know, you have two pieces of pop culture who kind of meet together. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the first piece of art 
that that kind of sparked that idea. I think I had the idea before the art. Uh, like you said, there are people that are doing the mashup idea, uh, and I think it does make for fun art. There, there are people doing that way before two things, um, but my conceit to it is that it's it is a modern self-portrait for people and that's yeah. what I'm doing or I guess it would not be a self-portrait a modern portrait in a way it is a self-portrait because they're bringing me their two things it's not like I'm living with them and figuring out what their interests are yeah. but like uh, they bring me two things that just mean a lot to them uh, and I try to work with them to make sure it represents so I'm like it's kind of the more older school of art of you know commissioned yeah. uh, pieces but I do think without just doing straight up portraiture and what that leads to which is being super bored at work yeah uh this is something that people get that says a lot about them or where they're at that they really enjoy for a long time yeah well uh one thing that you you mentioned um a few moments ago is that you talked about how your your clients or the people who buy your stuff are are normal people yeah um, which, you know, again, goes against the stigma of, like, you know, only rich people buy art. Yeah. Um, but what I like about Two Things and stuff that I've seen of yours is that it really speaks more about, like, uh, who we are as a society as a whole. Like, um, the thing that the thing that I noticed on your table the most, and I think you have it on your site, is the picture of Andre the Giant with Older Pastor, yeah. <laughs> which is I was like amazed by because hey, I love Woo, yeah, and I'm also like a huge wrestling fan, yeah. And so I was all like, oh man, that's like something I would totally wear. I, I took a picture of it, I and showed it to my wife, and she's like, you need to buy that shirt. <laughs> you didn't have it in my size. Uh, <laughs> well, I probably do now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I um yeah I. Uh, what's funny is that was probably the first one I did. I did a series of like example paintings to show people like this is what I'm talking about, you know, like two things, Andre and you know Old Dirty Bastard and like uh, you know Biggie Smalls and kayaking and you know like a bunch of just kind of weird stuff to say like see you know just spark ideas because that's actually the hardest thing I've found is get people to. They kind of get the concept, but then when they see it, they're like, oh, yeah. You know, uh, but um, ODB is my only, well, he might, I think I might have a couple repeats now, but he was my first repeat. But the two were him and Andre the Giant, the one I did, but then someone has the same birthday as Andre the Giant and Macho Man, and so he got a two thanks with those two having a birthday party, uh, which I just was like, that's pretty amazing. And now he's, ODB is just linked with wrestling <laughs> yeah. in my in my world, in the two things world. Well, there is also a wrestler uh, named ODB. Is there? She, yeah, she is, uh, I don't think she's wrestling anymore. Oh, wow, I didn't hear But yeah, she was around for a little while. Yeah. Uh, wait, she was wrestling way after... Um, uh, ODB the rapper died. Okay, so I, I think it was like more of a tribute, but yeah. I I I, uh, I, uh, I was a huge wrestling fan because I went to school outside Philadelphia, so I was always at all the ECW shows. Yeah. Uh, and then I kind of dropped off the map. It must have been probably after that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, this is like uh, mid two thousands, mid to yeah, mid 
like 2005 to 2012 maybe when she was an active wrestler yeah that's probably after after I dropped off but I am starting to with all the local great wrestling that's happening in Seattle right now I'm starting to get yeah. back in with the 3-2-1 battle and I, I love those shows I've, yeah. I've gone to the last few and then I went to the first Defy show ah. um, oh I heard that was ago. great yeah yeah it was it was pretty crazy like it was the most it was the most excited I had been for wrestling in a really long time. <laughs> well, I, this may be in the side of the podcast, uh, but uh, both uh, Mr. Fitness Taylor and uh, Jake the Qantas Adonis are or were members of the Seattle Elks Lodge. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll have to mention that to Mr. Fitness. Yeah. Uh, he, his girlfriend is a co-worker of mine. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. But uh, I'm pretty sure he's con- uh, current, but I think Qantas Adonis has left. He's not an elk anymore, but he was. Jake. <laughs> Maybe that's why he has that name. Yeah, right. <laughs> I really hope someone heckles him one day for being like, you're, you're dudes. <laughs> Pay your dues. <laughs> so when you... Uh, um, so, shoot, now I lost my train of thought. No, sorry. Because you were saying you are telling me to pay my dues. Yeah. Or telling somebody else to pay their dues. Uh, we were talking about the Andre Yeah, ODB. we were talking about yeah. <laughs> the ODB shirt. Um, so, when, um, so I, one of the things that I, I did notice, because I, I, I went on your site for a little bit today, I was just checking it out, um, and I think, again, this lends itself to the idea that, you know, anybody could get your art is that you actually post your prices on there which I don't see very often Um, but it's more than fair um, which is cool. And what I do is I build into the pro- like I lose money on every painting because of the, if you take per hour. Yeah. Uh, but what I do is I say this price includes me reselling the image, and so I build in the uh, the the that I'll make money more money on some prints uh, and less on other. Well, me making money on prints on the image uh, afterwards, and you know uh, that's kind of my business model is to keep that initial price low to keep a constant stream of paintings coming through. Yeah. Has there, has anybody ever been, you know, um, come back and been like, oh, I don't want you to reproduce that after the fact? Or? Well, I, I, I say out front, if you don't want it, if you don't want it as print, I still always own the image, but if you don't want me to print it, there's just an extra $200 fee that mm-hmm. like, you know, but actually most people come back and are like, you know, tell me mine sold the most. They like, they're <laughs> like, they want it out there, you know, they don't want it private. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of cool. Like, I feel like that kind of harkens back to, like, gra- how graffiti writers are. They like want to have their names all over the city yeah. to be known in a way. Like, you're doing that with, uh, with your paintings. Which, yeah. You know, well, I I just got you know my first basically the biggest two things there is is such a billboard for my business this year when I did the Betty Page Divine House uh, uh, up on 65th. Uh, yeah. And that was great. And I just got. Uh, on the four cultural four culture uh, muralist roster this year, so I'm hoping, fingers crossed, to be doing more mural work, which does act like such a billboard for two things, you know. Yeah. What was the? Did you get any like pushback from purists of the of the Betty uh, house? Surprise. Because that, that's, no. like, that's yeah. like a long-standing like Seattle thing. Yeah. You know? Like I remember. I remember being in high school and then driving by that and being like, oh, yeah. oh my. <laughs> I think probably if it hadn't been uh, defaced, yeah. I might have faced more, but since I repaired the original 
and brought her back, uh, I think that kind of, you know, people didn't see me as just messing with it to add something. They saw me as repairing and restoring. Uh, so I actually, I had like, there were a couple of knuckleheads on the internet, but outside of that, like, I had just 100% people stopping me and saying how much they uh, really appreciated it and really loved it. Yeah. Which Divine is, is such a polarizing figure to choose, too. Like, I, there's definitely, like, some cross-section. Yeah. Uh, but why did you go with her? With her? Well, the... Uh, the homeowners picked, they had a couple of options. I, I kind of pushed towards Divine, but it was their choice. Uh, and uh, I just thought it was so perfect. I mean, it kind of is, it's not a, you know, like, uh, retort as much as a reply to what the people who defaced it were saying, which is, you know, like, uh, we get to decide how uh, women present themselves. It's like just just do what you do, you yeah. know, uh, and and be beautiful by being yourself. Uh, and uh, so I thought it was just uh, such a great choice. I really, I mean, I'm a huge John Waters fan, so it was, yeah, it was also that that made me really stoked. <laughs> yeah. Um, so other than doing um, the punk rock flea market, what are there any other um, events that you table at regularly? Or I try to get to as many as I can that are like uh, mid price, like the big ones, like Urban Craft Uprising, or you know, I probably will try for Comic Con not this year, but the next year. But the ones that are you're talking like an insane amount for just to put your table up I avoid but like all the ones that are pretty reasonable price like uh, Unique Boutique uh, was over at Q uh, uh, Georgetown Carnival is great every year um, uh, yeah Punk Rock Flea Market I'm trying to think I did the one uh, Bad Wolf Flea Market over at the Rhino Room in Capitol Hill that one was a super good event Back Bar at uh, Crocodile does a little event sometimes it's pretty nice yeah have you ever thought about doing the Sunday markets in any neighborhoods? Or? Well, I've done the Fremont one. Okay. Uh, it tends to skew. My demographic is just way better the younger people are. I right. find there's a, the baby booners especially just have this big generational divide where they don't get it. Uh, they go like, oh, you know, and they're super rude about it too, you know, like they come up to the booth and they're like, I don't get this. And they're like, well, I just want, well, you do a picture of Frank Sinatra and my dog. And I'm like, that's just not what I do. Yeah. Or they'll pick up something and be like, what do you think of this, honey? And then the partner will be like, that's stupid, you know, like yeah. right in my face. So, uh, you know, Fremont kind of tends to skew that way. So, uh, and I don't really think as much. But I did one last year down in Soto that was at the this music fest called Big Building Bash, which okay. was pretty amazing. And those kids were just all over it. You know, I saw a third of the people I would see at the Fremont Sunday Market, but they were all just super stoked, wanted to talk to me about it. You know, and they they just got it. So. That's what I I I I, I can find the youngest people. Yeah, the weirdos. <laughs> yeah, as it were. <laughs> Nobody else is gonna is gonna appreciate Bob Ross with Golden Girls. Yeah, really. <laughs> and you'd think those guys are probably they're all baby booners and older. You know those yeah. two shows, but they just don't they don't understand why you wouldn't want uh, like a picture of your family instead of two things you watched on TV. You yeah, know? I think that's the real divide. I, I think it, you know, uh, I, maybe it's just like that core sense of values. Like the the art that I have in in like my room, for example, is like uh, a, a reproduction of a Black Panthers poster, <laughs> and um, 
and a uh, a, a, a gra um like this like graphic of like how um, scratch music is composed. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe yeah maybe it is a generation. Yeah. I yeah I you know for whatever reason I think it is. I I mean even my parents I had a very hard time explaining like the thing but when I finally did a painting for my dad. Uh, like he loves it, he can't get enough. But like just wrapping his head around the whole thing, I don't think he really got it till he saw it. You know? Yeah, I mean, you, you said that your mom was a dean of business mm -hmm. for school. Like, could she, you know, see the potential, at least like the financial potential, in, in making this a business? Uh, when you're like, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, uh, iffy. You know, she. Yeah. Uh, she's like. I don't know that she can. She she doesn't really discuss it uh, too much. Uh, yeah. And I think, I don't know, people just hear the words art and business and they're like, you're right. You yeah. know? And for the most part, they're totally right. Uh, even with my like pretty reasonable prices for uh, commissioned artwork, I, there are times at the booth where people come up and are just like, what? You know, they thought, I thought it was going to be like $20 to get an original painting in my house, you know, but... Uh, people have a hard time, uh, especially as they're getting used to things being free, you know, yeah. like just content is free, uh, wrapping their head around actually toning up a little bit of money for yeah. whatever they want, you know. Yeah, I imagine it's frustrating because it's not like people aren't just paying for your, your, your skills for that piece of painting, but it's also everything that came before it. Yeah. You know, all the all the shit that you had to eat and having a professor tell you you shouldn't be <laughs> an artist. Yeah, it's it's true, and uh, you know it's no different than anything else. But there really are a lot of do's and eating ramen to go along with being an artist that I don't think most people appreciate. Uh, so I don't know. It, yeah, it, it's it's, a, it's always a balance. You know, I I don't I don't begrudge those people but at the same point I'm like I know you're used to just like you know uh, or there's a guy uh, there's a guy I think Jim draws stuff on the internet and you just say like you could say two things and he'll draw you a drawing of it for free in MS Paint it's cool and all but like <laughs> it's also like uh, people are used to like oh yeah but no I could just get this for free and it's drawn in MS Paint and you know then to tell them well I want you to pay $350 for that, and it's going to be way better. But they're like, eh, it's kind of the same thing. You know, the price point of art is just, it's it's pretty low. Yeah. For the amount of hours, for like even going by an hourly rate. Yeah. Yeah. But then, I mean, once you pull back and then you think about, again, all the dues that you had to pay to yeah. get there, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm assuming it just becomes a lot more just, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, I mean, people are gonna spend on what they want to spend, and I hope that I, I, it's I. What I try to do is work hard to differentiate myself from that, to like make myself so good you can't look at both of them and think they should cost the same. You yeah, know? but it's, some people just still will never see the difference. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, you talk. You mentioned that you have, you know. Um, Reproductions as sort of like a separate or a continuing revenue stream. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, I, I, the example that brought me to your table again was a shirt. Like, what, 
what other ki kinds of mediums do you see you doing art on in addition to like apparel or, or just yeah, you know, traditional paintings? I'm trying to roll it out slowly and mm -hmm. I think that's a good a good way to do business in general uh, is not bite off too much at once but I did uh, a coloring book I turned my sketches so usually people come to me they bring me the two things we get a deposit or whatever and then I give them a set of sketches to kind of choose from different ways to combine it so I made my coloring book out of a lot of the sketches that didn't get used uh, that was a good one uh, I do the prints I do uh, postcards and that sort of stuff I started in the shirts uh, and silk screening and I think that's going to lead to throw pillows uh, which I'm hoping to work on soon but I'm trying to like not it's really easy to just be like, I could do a million things with all these images uh, and just dig myself into a hole that, you know, the whole thing collapses on. You mean you don't want to sit on a box of, like, unsold extra, <laughs> extra large shirts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's really the thing is, you know, uh, I've, I've been in a band enough times to know how many <laughs> extra true. shirts I'm going to end up with, and that's also why I always buy the most comfortable of shirts whenever oh. I buy them so that when I have 40 of them uh, I just get all these extra super nice shirts <laughs> yeah the, the, the soft the soft blend exactly not the, not the hard pain <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I get that feeling. I remember when my band broke up, and I had all of our like all of our merch till the very end, and then uh, I just ended up like leaving it for Goodwill. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, here, you guys take it. My uh, my band changed their name to Dry T-shirt Contest, but we used to be uh, like a bro themed band. Like we were all pretending that we were bro lawyers. Yeah, and so we That's got amazing, by the way. we made these. Uh, salmon t-shirts with uh like you know like a tuxedo shirt but instead it's a popped collar like <laughs> shirt with a little alligator on it yeah uh and hilarious i thought it was amazing and then we realized nobody wants to own a salmon colored t-shirt so we just have so many of those left over uh everyone's always like that's so funny that's such a funny shirt do you want to buy one or do you want to have one no. Dude, I'll wear that. Yeah? I'll put that on record. I'll wear that. I, I'll, I will give you one. It could be uh, my uniform to wear at my band's next show. So, <laughs> uh, so Matthew, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on, uh, well, right now I'm really pushing. I'm on Patreon, uh, and I've got that set up, and I've got a lot of really great content on there. I'm really pushing the Patreon. I think it's a great avenue for yeah. uh, arts in general to find support. Uh, and the blog I'm just working really hard on. Uh, it's patron slash two things. I also have www.twothangs.com and uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all of it and uh, Tumblr. Yeah. So for your uh, for your Patreon, do you have um, like a reward system? Yeah. Like you get this if you donate this monthly and just even for three bucks, uh, you get access to the, the the main blog, which I do in progress in the studio. You get to see how the paintings shape up. You get to see all the sketches. I do. I show details that I think are super interesting in the paintings. I do a little blog about upcoming uh, things, and then five, you get like a postcard a month. At ten, I've got like a more intensive blog that. Uh, kind of like a little bit of a, uh, I talk about 
contemporary artists in it. So if you're looking to learn more or think about more contemporary artists, I do that. And it goes up to I even do uh, lessons for people at like 100. So yeah. But I really dig the system, and I just got introduced to it in November. It's a great platform. Like I, you know, I support some people on it, mm-hmm. and it's you know. It's one of those things where I'm like, every week I, I can expect this. And it's, you know, it's it's a way to kind of interact with a, a creative person uh, in a way without feeling like you're bugging them. Yes. So. Uh, no, 100%. I love when people are interactive on the Patreon. In fact, you know, like, I, I spend so much time building up a, a... When you, it's, you know, I know we're probably closing up, but you build up this uh, internet audience and then once you get it big enough uh and you've done that work uh you know whoever is running that system wants you to pay to reach that same audience that you built up whereas uh you know it's kind of ridiculous system for an art side of it uh, but like patrons the exact opposite i have the people that care the most about what i'm doing on there and i'm just like you know this is you know a very much smaller part of the audience that I had before, but uh, way more into it, yeah. way more giving me feedback that I'll totally use. And, you know. Well, I, I think with anything like that, I mean, and, and, and Kickstarter is sort of the same thing, but not really, because yeah. it's like that whole, there's that stigma of internet panhandling with it. And I don't think Patreon is like that, because like you said, like you get to pick if you want to give that person the money and then continue to have, you know, um, that kind of relationship with them and you see their work progress and then you get to see, you know, you get like that front row seat yeah. the whole time. That's exactly it. I think of it more, it's, I, and that's the stigma I definitely tried to fight with people when I started was it's like, it's not like Kickstarter or something where you're, uh, you are uh, giving to somebody. You're not giving me anything. This is more like Netflix for two things. I'm working hard to make sure my content is good and that you're like entertained throughout the week. Uh, you know, I'm putting stuff up there, you know, five, six days a week, and you're entertained by that stuff the whole time, uh, and you feel like you get whatever your money's worth. Yeah. So get on that, people. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put a link on that. Oh, thank cool. you.